Let us pray together. God, we thank you for this morning, for a new day and the beginning of a new week. Be with us as we approach the season ahead, a season that's often filled with busyness and pressure. Let us face it with your grace and your love. And let these words that I speak this morning be from your heart and not my own. Amen. This morning we're concluding our series called Who's Justice that we've been looking at for a, a number of weeks dating back to I think the end of September. And we've been talking about loads of different issues that are kind of ever present in the news and on social media and, and all around us, issues of justice. They've been issues that have been especially apparent over the last um, couple of years with the pandemic that has revealed a lot of the structural inequalities and things and has really brought things um, forward in our minds. And so this morning we're going to wrap up, but we're going to wrap up looking at the final perspective, and that is God's perspective. And we're going to do that by looking at the final book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. How many of you have ever read George Orwell's book, Animal Farm? I read it in, in school when I was in high school in New Mexico, and I picked it in my English class because we were allowed to pick from, I think, four or five books for, for a little reading book report that we were to do, and I picked Animal Farm because it was the shortest one of the lot. Um, but, but gratefully, I, I, I enjoyed the book um, very much. I don't think as a 14-year-old I was quite ready for everything that um, George Orwell was trying to say, but if you've ever read Animal Farm or you're familiar with the book or with other books like it, including um, maybe something like 1984, another book by the same author, or other books like it, you'll understand that there is a story within a story, right? The, the book of Animal Farm is about a farm. It's about animals. It's about pigs. It's about chickens and horses and whatever else, right? But, but it's not really about pigs and chickens and horses, right? We all get that as we read. I mean, you know, the, a pig called Napoleon doesn't end up ruling everything. You know, it's, it's, we get that there's a story within a story. And if we get that, then I think we're a long way towards getting actually how the book of Revelation works. Revelation can be a bit of, um, a, of a scary monster in the closet sometimes that, that we don't really want to bring out and talk about um, because we'll, we might get confused or we might get um, scared or whatever, and it, it can seem really tricky. And sometimes we want to read Revelation, and some people have wanted us to read Revelation, like it's some kind of newspaper headline from the end of the world, that it's some future far off list of events, maybe even in order, of literal things that are going to happen. And, and that's not at all what's going on in the book of Revelation. If that was true, it would have no purpose for its original readers. But if you understand Animal Farm, you'll understand Revelation. George Orwell has said that at least one of the meanings for him as the author of the book of Animal Farm is actually about the um, October revolutions in um, Russia, which became the Soviet Union, and then ended up under a Stalinist regime. And Napoleon the pig is essentially Stalin. And so they have this revolution against the oppressors and the farm, and the farm animals raise up and they overthrow the oppressors only to end up with another oppressor. So for George Orwell, the author, the story is actually about the, the beginning of the Soviet Union. 
Um, but for us as we read it, we could also take other lessons from the Book of Animal Farm and talk about other ways in which we can apply this idea of re revolting and ending up basically with the same thing in a different mask. If we understand Animal Farm, we'll understand the Book of Revelation. It's something with images that point to a larger story. You see, in the Book of Revelation, there are two sorts of realities at play. There's what we see with our eyes. What we see with our eyes still today, just like people saw 2,000 years ago. Governments, economies, economics, people, structures, systems. That's what we see with our eyes. What the book of Revelation is about, and what Revelation and even the word apocalypse even mean, is an idea of revealing. And so it's about lifting back a curtain on a cosmic reality. So what's happening behind the scenes is the question. This is not about some future events. It's about what's happening now. And for Revelation as well, it's a lot about cycles. And it's things that happen over and over and over again. History is kind of repetitive like that, isn't it? If you've ever um, been down in Aberdeen recently and you've seen all the students who are back now uh, all around the uni and all in town, you'll notice that things look peculiarly like the 90s in terms of the fashion. His history is a bit cyclical like that, isn't it? In Revelation, all sorts of things go wrong. War, famine, ecological disaster, oppressive rulers. And if we project these things into the future, it might seem, oh gosh, that future is going to be bad. But do those sorts of things sound like they're only confined to the future? They are happening right now. And in fact, they've been happening throughout all human history. Wars, famines, oppressive rulers, ecological disasters. These things have been happening throughout all of human history. They are part of our world's reality. And Revelation is trying to show us what's behind that reality. Throughout our series of Who's Justice, we've talked about a, a few different issues. We've talked about race and, and racism, specifically looking at how if we are known and named and loved by God, then so are our neighbors, no matter what the color of their skin or their country of origin. We've talked about the climate and how we are stewards of this earth, but also that climate change affects the most vulnerable people in our world. And those are often poorest and people of color. And so the issue of climate change is an especially important issue in terms of justice. And we've talked about children and how children are an intersection of so many of these issues of race, of gender, of climate. Children need advocates. So what is there to look forward to? Is there some kind of way that we can fix it all? Is there some future in 10, 50, 100 years down the road in which we fixed all of this, in which we fixed racism and we've you know, fixed global warming, and we fixed all of this sort of thing. Now, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but the book of Revelation really helpfully asks a lot of questions about justice, because its original readers were asking a lot of questions about justice. They were looking around, going, if Jesus has won, if God has won, if what Jesus has done on the cross has ended it all, then why are we still being persecuted by Nero, the, the ruler of Rome? Why are we still being persecuted by the people around us? Why is there still famine? Why is there still poverty? Why is there still war? You said Jesus had won. These are the questions that the people of the early church are asking, and these are the questions that Revelation is asking. And so Revelation is looking at all of these ideas. 
the book of Revelation, like I said, is about cycles. It's about these cycles of history. And within the book, there's many different cycles of war and of rebellion and of justice. We're going to listen to our reading just now, which comes from the very end of the book and offers a bit of a glimpse of the end. But we're going to, again, live in these cycles, live in this repetition. So let's listen to Ian read for us just now. Today's reading is from Revelation chapter 21, reading verses 22 to 27. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of our nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. When we read the book of Revelation, the key to reading it is to remember why it exists, why it was written. The point of Revelation isn't to scare its readers, but to comfort them. So even though it's a book full of terrifying images of dragons and beasts, of war and destruction and death, it's actually a book comfort. Its wild images aren't there to terrify us, but to show us who is really in control. So it was written to comfort people 2,000 years ago. So what does it have to say to us? For the Jewish people, especially in the first century, the image of Babylon that exists in the book of Revelation, there's a lot of talk about Babylon, and Babylon is represented as a woman in the book of Revelation. Babylon as a nation did not exist in the first century when this book was written. So what does Babylon represent? For the Jewish people, Babylon came to represent everything that was terrible in the world, greed, corruption, oppression. And similarly to ancient Israelites, Egypt had kind of become that because Egypt was the place of their own oppression. And so these images develop over time. As Babylon becomes the oppressor, then Babylon becomes the image. And so for the people of the first century, who was Babylon for them? Well, it was Rome. Rome is the oppressor, Rome is the ruler, and Caesar is essentially Nebuchadnezzar. These are the new images that we have. So who could Babylon be for us, these images develop? What forces in our world fill the same role? Like I said, in the last couple of years, these things have become even more apparent than they were before as the pandemic has again sort of pulled back the curtain on social inequalities. Events like the murder of George Floyd have pulled back the curtain on systemic inequality. Things like white supremacy 
misogynist structures, the, the patriarchal structures of our world, forces of greed and unfettered capitalism. These are the Babylons of our day and even sometimes literal governments. Similarly to 2,000 years ago, we are in battle with the same forces, oppressors, inequality, hatred, greed, governments and wealthy people more interested in cementing their, their own power than helping the world. These are the same sorts of issues that people were facing 2,000 years ago and people have faced throughout human history. The book of Revelation and the cycles of the Revelation actually point us to hope. And here's why we're ending with this, and here's why it's about hope, because this is the final perspective of justice. This is God's justice. The comfort of the book of Revelation lies in this one image, the image of the throne. Throughout the entire book, throughout all of the cycles, there is the throne of God that is there, and God is seated on the throne. And so no matter what happens, there's thunder and there's lightning, which sounds terrifying, but the thunder and lightning are coming from the throne. And the throne is there and God is on the throne, the entire book. So no matter what is happening in all of these cycles of disaster and terror in Revelation 12 with the sort of um, cosmic retelling of the birth of Christ with the woman giving birth and the dragon there waiting to devour the boy, in all of this, God is on the throne. So for us as Christians in this time of crisis, we can take the same comfort from the book of Revelation as its original readers. We are living through a really difficult time, but our perspective is not despair, but hope. And it's not just a blind feeling of optimism. I've talked about this before, just optimism that it's all just gonna work out, so there's no reason to worry. That's fine, it's gonna be fine. No, hope inspires us to work for change. Hope works with us hand in hand because of the central image of Revelation. Like I said, that central image of the throne. There's an artist rendering that I have here. The central image is this throne, God seated on the throne. But even more specifically than that, at the center of the throne is the Lamb looking as if it had been slain. Throughout the whole book, while everything is going crazy and there are seals and horsemen and beasts and dragons, the throne is there. As we lift back this curtain of reality that was just as true 2,000 years ago as it is today, as we work for justice, and as we strive to help the poor and the marginalized and the wounded and the oppressed, we must hold on to that image of the Lamb. In all of this question about whose justice, there is still this hope that in the future, in what comes and what Ian read, God will wrap all of this up. God will return and make it all right. Whether or not we can do that now, I don't know. But we need to keep working because we have this hope that God is on the throne. That is our hope. Then when we hold on to this hope that God is on the throne, things move from black and white. The images I've used in the past weeks have been black and white. Things move from black and white, painful and hopeless, into color and full of hope. As we hold on to this image of God on the throne, things move from black and white to color. We do not work in vain. We have God on our side. For in the end, God will bring all things together and create a new world. And in 
the cycles of the book of Revelation. That's what we see. And in one glimpse in particular, in one of the early cycles of the book of Revelation, in chapter 7, we are offered this perspective of justice. And I want to read it for us now from Revelation 7. After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, singing, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these robed in white, and where do they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God and worship God day and night within God's temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs the water of life and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Revelation might be full of terrifying images but it is full of hope full of comfort. And in our day today, I think that is the hope that we must hold on to for the fight we have ahead. We are in really crazy times. Things all around us seem to be in chaos. But God is seated on the throne and that is what inspires us to hope and to inspires us to work. So despite when all of this feels so frustrating and depressing and it feels like we're fighting a battle that will never end and will never win. I know I get there plenty of times where I just feel down. We do not fight in vain. As reflection, I want us to watch this video and pray along with it. This is a video that will I think, bring this theme out, this theme that we fight and we work, but we do it with hope and with trust in God. Let us reflect. Look up, love. Take your eyes off the ground. Show your face. A new day is here. The light is rising over you, shining brightly, moving shadows, touching your face. You are brilliant with it. Darkness may come and go, but the glory of our creator is a constant companion. 
a steady light. Many will see you struggle to live, your choice to stand up and walk in the light and be changed. Have the courage to truly see not only the problems, but the one who remains with you holding the light. We are all coming together, family, neighbor, and exiles, taking our seats at the table. We are learning, we are healing. So, take the gift of this day you are given. Let the light enlighten you, emanate from within you, become you, be you. Power is shifting, and it won't look like what we think when love reigns. Cities riddled with the wreckage of war and marked by the scars of empire will exchange the sounds of violence and ruin for the clamor of co-creation and communion. Through the power of God, the oppressed and those stripped of their land are allowed to share in power. We all will weigh in. Life will grow from the most unexpected places. The smallest and least will be welcomed into the center and their perspective will matter. Not only will violence cease, we won't want to hurt one another, but cooperate for the goodness of all. The whole nature of creation will change. The sun and moon will not be the light we revolve around. We will turn and grow by the light of God that shows us the illumined way to go. We will be ruled by the power of love. We will be remade and refastened to God and one another. We will learn what harmony means. Look up, love. Take your eyes off the ground. Show your face. A new day is here. The light is rising over you, shining brightly moving shadows, touching your face. You are brilliant with it. Everything wrong side up is being upended. The table is extending, rounding. You have a place that is only yours. And everyone, everyone, everyone at this table will have more than enough. So, stand up, open up, take it all in, and shine. So in the end, whose justice? God's. And thank God for that. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the vision of hope in the book of Revelation. 
Let it be true and let it come true among us. Let us recognize your reign on your throne and fight for justice with hope. Give us strength and courage for the fight ahead. In all this we pray. In the name of the Lamb.